want you to listen. Then what? Share it. The Melbourne Youth and Social Workers Group and the Knowledge on Tick podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the Boonarong and Wurundjeri people, their elders past and present. We would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the land, her children and our families. We would like all of us to show respect for each other, Mother Nature and the creatures on the land and the sea. Hey everyone, the Melbourne Youth and Social Work Facebook group would like to welcome you to the Knowledge on Tick podcast. We are Josh and Nat and we will be your co-hosts for the potty. Knowledge on Tick is a podcast offering real-life conversations and insights every week with workers in the field covering a range of topics surrounding the youth and social work world. We are so grateful to have you here and happy listening. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Knowledge on Tick. I'm Josh. <laughs> and I'm Nat. And this week... The first returning guest. Woo! Yeah. Shane Hood, welcome back. Uh, thank you for having me. Appreciate awesome. it. Yeah. Thank you. Good Thanks times. for making the time. And yeah, it's good to, we said back um, when we, I can't even remember when we did our podcast. It was oh. early COVID stuff. Yeah, it was. Yeah, when we it was like at my house. scooted it in. Yeah. yeah. Came yeah. to your home. Yeah. Anyway. Your son gave me a leaf that I that's still have. You still have the leaf. Yeah. Get out. I still got it. Oh, that's, that's pretty great. It's up on like, um, I have like a white board that i put things up on mm. like little vision boardy sort of vibes oh, on there. that's so nice yeah oh. it was really sweet of him to give it to that's me that's so good there's yeah. also photos of you your wife you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your house your address <laughs> a lock of my hair yeah, yeah. Like jeez he must have known you a long time yeah. ago <laughs> yeah true true Oh yeah, the, I forget that the both of you are bald. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, even bald. before, mad, mad at rocking hats. Yeah, yeah, so you both do that, which I guess for the people listening that can't see what I'm talking about is the lift up of the hat and you wipe your head, put your hat back on, like you've got hair, but mm-hmm. you both do it, and every oh, time you do it, I'm like, oh, bald head. Yeah, right. yeah, you just yeah. Like, no, yeah. like you, when you have a bald head, you like feeling your yeah. bald head. I think that's what it is. Yeah, and I, I get it. It's a bit yeah. weird. Breathe, no, no, you know? it's nice. When I get my undercut shaved, I, I do that as well. Yeah. Like if you, yeah, I get yeah. what you mean about the shade tent. Yeah, it's a good vibe. It's a good vibe. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. we didn't bring you back to talk about your bald head. You I sure? don't think. <laughs> no. Nah. Unless Josh has got grand plans. Nope. Um, but we have five new questions. Yes. So five different ones from the last time. Um, and they are the first one. The first one. one is what was your first ever job? Um, <laughs> um, illegal or legal? Well, it depends on what you job. want to share. Um, I'll, I'll give you both. Um, nice. My first first job was uh, selling weed. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and then I didn't work for till. Oh, I mean, it's not that late, but I was like seventeen or something. But I yeah. was trying to get out of, like, I was just involved in a lot of crime and stuff. So I took a job um, at a bakery uh, that, like, had. You, yeah, can't, super ignore that. you yeah. can't ignore that pun. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it was like. Bet you did. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, oh my God, I almost choked on my water. Yeah. No, but it was like a. So it's. Um, it was one of those work through the night, kind of start at two, start at one oh. o'clock, work through the night. So I was trying yeah. to keep 
get myself out of trouble. Yeah. Um, so I thought if I get a job where I work through the night, then yeah. I might not get in trouble as much and I'll get, you know, tired during the day. During the mischievous hours. Yeah, but it only lasted three months and then I was back at it again. So, What um, was the best thing you learned to bake? Like did you bake? Sorry. Um, I don't even know. I think we just, I think I just enjoyed, because I used to smoke a lot of weed at the time, so I used to enjoy eating. Yeah. Eating mm. the food while yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> so like I, a workplace hazard sort of thing. Like. One of the things I didn't take into account that starting at one would mean that I'd probably be half wasted when I got to work, yeah. which right. is what happened. Yeah. Um, which is not normal for most people. Sorry, like people just get wasted and go to their job. But mm. um, as a kid, I was yeah. I just yeah ended up. I th- I can't remember what the best. Were. I think like cheese and bacon rolls or yeah, eating the bacon bits about. and i think that they're mm. kind of part raw i think it was just pretty gross like yeah. you just smash the bacon bits but yeah um yeah it that wasn't a like good job though scrolls. it wasn't fun it wasn't fun no shit boss and oh. made me clean the prover do you know what a prover is it's no. like a thing that sort of expands the bread yeah, right. And then it just gets all crusty dough mixed with mud and whatever has been on your feet and then you have to sort of scrape it off the ground. And the baker used to always say, I just get you to do it because you're so good at it. Oh, that and was I'm like, cool. I fucking know you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but... Um, do you reckon he's still working there now? I don't know. You should go visit. It'd be pretty funny. Well, it'd be a long time. Like, yeah. be that's for why a long you do time. it now because yeah. you were better. Yeah. That's a prover, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was my first job. There you go. Nice. Mm. Mm. Um, and I know this one you've been deliberating. So if you were a WWE wrestler, what would be your walkout song? Go. Oh, look, I don't, <laughs> don't know. Um, I've, I've really been thinking about this. Like, yeah. Um, but I always thought, you know that song, You Can Call Me Al by yes. Paul Simon? Yes. That'd be pretty funny. I love I don't think Paul I know Simon. that. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know that song? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought that would be kind of yeah. a funny one because yeah. I think I said it to you earlier. I used to um, box, so I do boxing and I'd have some <laughs> uh, some sort of walkout music but it was just always on some trying to be gangster yeah. stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a different person these days. So, yeah, a bit of Paul Simon maybe. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I listen to him as an artist as much but that song's always been like, Man, that's a jam. It's yeah. just, a, it's got such a nice um, little jig to it. I feel like yeah. you can't help but like boogie along. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's so. funny since we've been asking that question, it's um, something that I'm conscious of with like the UFC or like if I'm watching a fight of some sorts, what their walkout songs mm. are. Yeah. Um, I'm really impressed with UFC at the moment because there's not crowds because of the COVID or the small crowds. Mm. You can actually hear. Mm. It yeah, better, I think. Yeah. I'm still deliberating on whether I'm for the crowds or against the crowds, but I'm always interested in people's because I always thought like the only ones that I've really paid attention to are probably like R&B songs or like rap songs that you know because you hear it and you tweak, whereas yeah. a lot of them actually don't have the the gangster music for mm. their walkout. Yeah. No, mm. there, it's true. I actually had um, a friend, uh, Megan, she just... Um, she just had a fight, a um, boxing fight, and she came out to Gangster's Paradise and it was so funny because it was like uh, not what I was expecting her yeah. to walk out to. And then my other friend from back in the day, I didn't even know that he was fighting on the same night, but he was fighting on the same night and I'm like, oh, he's going to come out to some gangster stuff. 
and he came out to pony. Like, you know, like genuine. He came out to that, and I was like, "What the hell? What just happened?" That's the best. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm really impressed that I remembered that's by genuine. Yeah, yeah, no, well done, well done. Keep going. Nah, I'm not going. Keep going. Are you TikTok famous with your dances yet? Nope. You had one job. The next one is: if you had to change careers, what would you do? I really, really like what I do. So that it's it's hard. It's a shame. Yeah, like I, I I enjoy what I do, but I think if I was to change careers, I'd probably go into full time photography. Yeah, like doing all the stuff that I do on the side. So traveling. Well, you can still travel, but like I like exploring subjects and um, and sort of. And any time I have a camera in my hand, I just turn into a different human being. So, um, yeah, but I don't know if I could do it mm. full time yeah. um, just because uh, last time I travelled into America, um, I did 21 days and I just worked myself into the ground. Like mm. I was just like 14 to 16 hour days shooting and not sleeping and being a crazy artist guy. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's not sustainable. Yeah, it's not that sustainable. Like, I don't know if I'd see my family. I don't know. But if it <laughs> was your full time gig, it's not, you know, it's a, it's a side hustle that you're trying to make time yeah. for. Maybe if it was your full time thing, you'd have more of like a. Like a structure, structure or a schedule. It's it's funny though when with that it's probably less structure and schedule because of, um, yeah, I turn into just wild artist guy. Mm. So you know, like even after that trip, like I was sick for like a week and a half, like exhaustion sick and yeah. just destroyed. Mm. Um, but, um. Uh, it runs through my blood like I love it. Yeah. So that's probably the thing that I'd do. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Good one. Um, can you tell us about a time at work that you've made a mistake and what have you learned from it? So I, I had a look at this question earlier and I thought it was in my life and I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, jeez, what am I going to say? Okay. Uh, at work... I think I could probably give an overall maybe um, idea because mm. uh, I can't think of particular situations, but I can think of a particular mindset that mm. I was in um, that led me to making mistakes um, was that I came in to youth work as a lived experience practitioner. Um, For the benefit of people listening, um can you explain just before you go on? Yeah. People might see lived experience workers as like a job, um, like advertised sure. and lived experience practitioners or someone with lived experience. For people that are new, could you explain, not necessarily but for you, but for what that generally means? Because I think it's maybe something that's not covered as much, but it's a really uh, like important sort of role. Um but yeah, could you explain what that that means to you? Like, yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. People do get uh, jobs as lived experience practitioners as their title. Mm. Um, I think for me, it was having uh, a lived experience of hardship, and you know, um, I, yeah, I grew up in a in a 
my family home was very violent um, and, you know, there was lots of crime in my immediate community and I was involved in a lot of that. Um, so it was more navigating, I think, as a, a good lived experience practitioner is somebody that navigates their way out of it. Yeah. But, uh, which I'm about to talk about in terms of mistakes, and there's this navigating your way out of it. I came into youth work thinking... Uh, I've got this lived experience. I understand these young people better than other youth workers. Mm. Um, and I was really wrong, <laughs> you know, like I, I, but it took me a while to, I guess, understand that mm -hmm. um, because I built great relationships with young people. Um, but I don't think at the start especially young people doing particularly well in on my caseload because i thought oh you know i've built these relationships they come and tell me everything and you know i've, I've built this great trust um but what i lacked was building uh self-determination in the young people that i was working with uh, which meant that um it was less about my experience and my life and more about understanding them uh, and most young people, they already get that you've got a lived experience. You don't really need to tell them. Mm -hmm. Like they'll get by the way you hold yourself and, mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but it also led to the reason why it was a, a big mistake was it led to building these cool relationships with young people but that's kind of where they'd stay like yeah. cool um so like young people would be like oh i gotta keep being cool around shane yeah do you know what i mean like yeah. and um i thought that was really well i learned how damaging that was um because we weren't really sort of opening up true vulnerability and then working on self-determination that was led by them as opposed to them looking up to me mm. does that sort of make sense yeah, yeah. so uh i try to say that to a lot of lived experience practitioners that um doing the work in your own life is really important not just coming out of the shit, but actually continually doing the work um because the other side of it is my life at that time was just chaos <laughs> you know, so I was guiding all these young people, but I was like, you know, smoking weed every day. Like, I mean, like crazy amounts. Like, I'm not judging people that do, but I mean, like copious amounts. Um, and, you know, doing drugs on weekends, like lots <laughs> on <laughs> weekends. Um, and then coming back into youth work as, you know, mm. trying to tell young people what's up yeah. <laughs> you know um and i i had a lot of trauma and stuff that i hadn't dealt with even though i you know got out of the shit got a job you know um was seen as successful mm. um i think the people that were close in my life would would um would tell you that i wasn't mm. yeah so um that was a huge huge journey to pull myself out of that. And when I pulled myself out of that, um, it started to become less about me yeah. um, and more about other people. Hence why Wounds and Wisdom was created. Um, it was things where I was just like, 
I've got to do something, um, something to give back that's not about me. Yeah. Um, you know, hence why a lot of stuff I have online is free and all of that kind of stuff because I'm just like, oh, I just want it to be accessible because I'm so thankful mm. um, in my own life. So, yeah, long way around. I think that was probably one of the biggest things that I'd learnt um, doing the work um, mm. and I'd purposely say that, the work, because it is uh, constant and I don't think, yeah, any of us have ever just arrived there at the pinnacle. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, it's uh, a constant space that we have to explore. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The last one is what are your self-care strategies and do you think you implement them well? Yeah, heaps. Yeah, so I've got lots of self-care strategies. Um, uh, so following on from the last part, I, I wasn't good at self-care. So yeah. um, uh, I do oh, heaps of things. So I run. I never used to run, so I run. So you kind of yeah, we've When's still the marathon talk booked in? <laughs> yeah, jeez, right, I've sl- I've kind of slowed down that a bit now because I've you get a couple of injuries and get sick and it throws you off and getting a bit old. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I, think I, feel that. I think that's a big thing too. Like I was running and like I hurt myself, like, but I was just running. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like what's just, just happening? Running, yeah, totally. You know what I mean, yeah, you didn't run totally. into anything or like I know it's yeah. weird, isn't it? So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so running, boxing, so I do boxing. Um, Sorry. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Didn't even run into anything. Um, Sorry. Yeah, so um, boxing, so I do, I definitely do boxing like about three times a week. Um, uh, I journal every day, so I write uh, what's called the 311. You've probably seen it on our website. Bro, we did the 311 at work the other day. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Because we were doing, sorry if I could interrupt yours. No, go hard, bro. We were doing, uh, we did like a group reflective practice and we we're talking about how we can implement, um, like, how can we, how can we, ref, uh, positive, <coughs> goodness me. How can we make sure that we're reflecting like positive feedback to our young people mm. on a regular basis as opposed to like, you know, like in a closure letter or a quarterly report? Like how do mm. we make sure we're doing it frequently? Yeah. And so we had all these conversations and I raised a 311. Like I said, I would love to be able to do like gratitude and things like every day. Mm. I mean, of course I can. I can just do it. But to remember to implement it. Yeah. But also including that in your practice with young people, you could talk to them when we catch up. Let's do the 311. This is the 311. Yep. And then to close off, we reflected what we took out from the day. And I said to the team, like, can we all do a 311 as part of our reflection back to the group? Which, of course, is three things you're grateful for. Yep. One thing you will do for someone else and one thing you will do for yourself. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it was really cool. Yeah, it was really good. And, I, you know, obviously shared that it was your concepts, not mine. <laughs> I mean, look, it's a but, playoff. Yeah. There's lots of gratitude things. Sure, I just found course, yeah. like something, I just, something simple, yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's... Yeah, it's something that um, I found that a lot of gratitude things were a bit complex. Mm. Mm. Um, three things that you're grateful for, one thing you'll do for yourself, one thing you'll do for someone else is actually quite hard to do every day. Like mm. if you do it, if you really do it daily, mm. like, yeah. you know, I usually say to people, you know, check in in two months' time. It's like really makes you think about things um, and you start writing things like 
really simple things, which is what gratitude's supposed to be about. Like not about like massive things that mm. you're grateful for because that'll get tired, you yeah. know. Um, when massive things aren't going to happen every day. That's right. Yeah. So, so to be consistent. Have a cupcake. It was good. Cool. Write it in. Mm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like um, I went outside and took a breath of fresh air and it felt good to mm. actually breathe like when I walked outside, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, the sun was out today because I get a bit depressed when it's cold, mm. you know, like, you know, um, these are just examples. Like um, lots of like really, really small things. Someone smiled on the street or I yeah. smiled on the street and someone smiled back at me and I'm like, that, that was kind of cool, you know, mm. like little little things. Um, but over 365 days, they they change you as a person. Mm. Um, like I, I like I feel like I'm a ball of gratitude of now where I, I definitely wasn't. And I always looked at people that did gratitude as like self-help junkies. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like yes. Anthony Robbins, you know. Yeah. But like I always looked at it that, that way and I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like because mm. mm. they posted online or whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, like... It's, I think, yeah, it's pretty powerful, mm. pretty powerful stuff. But, yeah, a range of different things though. I kind of like to change it and vary it. So stretching in the morning, like I might not do it every single morning. Um, breathing exercises. So um, I'm not great at mindfulness exercises, but um, I've got a very overactive mind. So like, um, yeah, really, really overactive mind. So simple breathing exercises are good for me so um i do that um yeah drinking water um Ugh. yeah things like huge one. yeah definitely and you the, your days change when you do drink enough water you know yeah. how you feel um i could keep going like i've mm. there's there's so many that i do yeah. um but uh they were they're necessities for me like yeah. i i've got a um I call it an old, old diagnosis because I don't feel like I have it anymore, but I'm aware that it can pop up, which mm. is uh, like a catatonic depression. It's an old saying. I don't think they call it that anymore, but it's like quite heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, basically simple to for people listening um, in simple, and I'm probably messing up saying it, but it's like you can end up in like depressive sort of trances for six hours, you know, like you'd look at a fan for six hours and not know that six hours went by, Mm. you know, Um, thinking really dark thoughts, but like it just floats on by. But because of all of these things, like I don't have any of those moments, like not one, Mm. (laughs) like I can, I can confidently say that. So yeah. um, You're going to the gym, true. Yeah. Like you're working at it, that's you're it. going and doing that's it. the exercise. That's right. But yeah. for your own health and your own mental health. Which is, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And that's why it's really important when working with young people and I don't just work with young people, but adults as well, that talking about things, like mm. I won't say it unless I do it. Yeah. Mm. I'm not, I won't suggest it. Yeah. Like, And I'm not putting that as advice out that youth workers have to do that. That's the way I choose to, to work. Um, yeah. But... Um, yeah, there's an element of me that just says, oh, I can't tell you to do something if I'm not mm. willing to do it myself. Definitely. Um, I think that brings in authenticity in being a worker that's though. It. That's it. You know, that's how it. many times do you hear a young person say, 
oh, I'd like to see you fucking do it, you know. Yeah. And if you're, you know, preaching about something that you wouldn't do yourself, the young, they've got the best bullshit radars of anybody we've totally. ever met, right? So if you're like, dude, go to the gym morning and night, that's what I do, bullshit. Mm, that's right. So that's you're, right. Then, you're just not coming from a place of authenticity when in reality young people just want somebody to be honest with them. Absolutely. Like perfect example, 311. Like yeah. if you actually do it for a month, mm. you, things will get they get difficult on some days. Mm. You better talk about that rather than go, oh, just keep it up, bro, or keep it up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just keep doing it. But if you do it, you can kind of go, yeah, man, after a month it got real hard, hey, like when I was trying to do You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. a big difference between um, doing it and it might not be with all things because obviously young people are going to have their own interests that are outside of your own suge- – outside of your suggestion. But mm. um, it's uh, – you're able to have those difficult conversations. Like, you know, Josh, you run – you can actually say you've run 10Ks, but you can actually say, oh, this is a journey to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're like, and you probably learnt more about yourself than you thought, you, you know, like w- yeah, yeah. doing that because it's a massive achievement. Mm. Mm. Um, so it's just things like that. If you met a young person that was into running, you could actually be like, oh, yeah, man, like mm. that was tough rather than just be a cheerleader on the side, Yeah, mm. you know. So, yeah. Do you think you experienced the runner's high just while we're talking about your running? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I came up with lots of creative ideas when I was running. Yep. And I say was because I haven't run for ages because I, I, I did, I think I just pushed it too hard and I ran 15Ks. Yeah. But I live in the Dandenong Ranges and so, and I ran locally. So I was like up hills, down hills. Like I just, pushed it too hard and I hurt like my knee started hurting I, like I genuinely was running and it was sore but I think I'm all a bit like misaligned and stuff you know people want to mm. hear that anyway but I and, no it's but, true though it's, yeah. that does happen like and 15ks is no joke man like, yeah that's not you know the runner's yeah. high 100% yeah. like the the adrenaline endorphin how good <laughs> I felt especially like going into a work day was it was so good um like my level of tolerance and patience especially around my children, not that I was intolerant or impatient, but I just had more patience. Yeah. Mm. I was calmer, like just, it was just, it was just, so, yeah, it was, it was really good to mm. the point where recently, like I'm now going to go to the physio because my back's even been playing up even more to get it sorted. Cause I know I want to go to like run again. Cause I stopped going to the gym the and I'm the same, you know? Yeah. But it's just been so, been so important for me to be reflective and to be honest with myself, bro, you're not, going to the gym you're not running you know i've noticed within myself like changes in my mood and like you know like just stuff like that like i'm not as healthy mentally or physically as i could be goes Mm -hmm. back to that sort of stuff like what are your strategies and do you implement them well because that question came from a conversation between nat and i at work one day which was just like what do you do and and not just like oh go to the gym take a dog for a walk and that's like "No, no 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 but what do you actually do and do you implement it well, you know? Like it was, that was the conversation we were having, so. And yeah. I think the reality behind mm. what well, the message that we wanted to get across to people, and I guess particularly people who are, you know, new to the field, is mm. that self-care is a journey. You are running every day to get up to your 15Ks. You've had an injury. You yeah. might not be running every day at the moment, mm. but it's still a work in progress. Yeah. 
And it doesn't mean that all that work or that effort that you've put in doesn't pay off. Same as mm. you put in all the fucking work to sort your shit out and to be the best version of yourself possible. Mm. That doesn't mean the work stops there. No way. It's every day you get up and you, you work towards that, you know. And I think the biggest thing for me around self-care was, you know, do you think you implement them well? Because there's been so many, even if we went back and answered the question again ourselves, Josh, my self-care yeah. strategies now as, to po as opposed to what they were when we recorded the podcast True. have have probably drifted and changed. And I think that was the message that we wanted to get across is just because you try journaling, just because you try, you know, yoga or mindfulness might not work for you, doesn't mm. mean the buck stops there. It means Absolutely. you pick it up and you try again, you find what fits for you. Because for this week, it might be yoga. But <coughs> next week, you might want to go punch the shit out of a punching bag in a gym because you're angry, mm -hmm. you know. They're, that's a constantly sort of evolving practice and it's okay to get it wrong. Mm. And even, you know, people who are have been in the field for decades or years and years, they, they still fuck it up and that's okay, mm. you know. Mm. It doesn't we, – we don't all have it sorted out and, that's right. you know, perfectly swimming. And I think for me, like I'd said to you, yeah, but do you implement it well? <coughs> And the reason that that was something that had stuck in my head was I remember saying to an old colleague of mine who, um, when I worked at Corrections, was an older man, so he would have been in his late 50s, early 60s at the time, and he just always looked chill as fuck at work. Like, oh, I'm running around like a headless chook. And, like, you know what I'm like when I'm hypo? I'm just like, like running around. I did it again. Just, <laughs> just nuts. Headless chook mm. running around getting mm. things done. Now I'm going to lose it laughing again. But he was always so cool, calm and collected. Mm. And I said to him, how the fuck are you freaking out? Like, mm. aren't you like just as busy as I am? Isn't your caseload just as high? Aren't you panicking? Mm. And he said to me, nah, I'm like a duck. Cool and calm on top. Mm. But underneath, I am pedaling like fuck to keep going. Mm. And I was like, that was so nice for me to know as a young yeah. worker. Of, you still don't have it sorted out and you're close to retirement. Mm. Yeah. That, it's okay. I'll, I, I might never figure it out, but as long as I keep trying, that's all that matters. Mm. And I think it all comes down to that premise of, well, you shouldn't just give up, right? If your strategies don't work, if the work you're putting in isn't working, or even you can apply it to any situation in your life. If you're trying something with your young person that's not working, well, cool, stop, pivot, try something else. Yeah. It's not a one-stop shop and there's always opportunity to, to grow or do different things or to mm. better yourself, you know, better your team. And I just think it's a really nice premise for people to know that you're not supposed to just, you know, come to the gates, have it all figured out and off you go. Mm. Well, it's, and it's also like kind of that, um, to add to what you're saying, um, is that uh, people have this expectation that they're going to nail it from the get-go yeah mm. like because that's they're fed this and i, I i'm not bagging like self-help but like you know yeah. that you know kind of kind of self-help that gets sold to people as yeah. opposed to self-help which is really around personal development mm -hmm. um that whole idea of it's supposed to be instant yeah mm, which is just not true yeah and you know you make decisions in your life and, you know, you put the energy out and, uh, you know, I'm sure law of attraction is probably a thing. Like, don't get mm. me wrong, but I am, I'm also a big believer of sh bad shit still happens. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And will always happen. Yeah. It's just what personal development does is if you've been a year into everyday personal development, you're going to deal with that bad shit in a whole different light and you're yeah. going to think of it in a whole different light 
but it's difficult to tell people that because they're not there yet and it's yeah. going to take them a while to get there. It's almost – I um, was saying it to one of my homies the other day. I was like, man, you've almost – you've got to believe in the unknown. Mm. Like you don't, you don't know how you're going to be but you don't know what it's going to – all this, um, you know, self-care and personal development kind of work. You don't know what you're going to be like in 12 months. Mm. Mm. Um, you have no idea of how much you're going to grow in 12 months. Right now, it doesn't feel like you're going to get anywhere, mm. but that's okay. Like, it's okay to, it's also okay not to believe at the start. And, you know, so it's really around, you know, that ultimate commitment to keeping going and allowing yourself to fall, slip, fuck up, you know, yeah. like. Um, it's such an important part of the journey, as it said. Like, it's really, really, really important. Um, but to keep at it, again, like you said, change change it up, try different things. Um, and I loved what you said about the weeks changing. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily mean that doesn't work for you. Some yeah. things won't, like yoga doesn't work for me <laughs> whatsoever. I can't stand yoga. Yeah. Like... And I love speaking to people that can't stand yoga too because it's like, you As know. long as your explanation for that is I'm not flexible, I don't mind. I yeah. hate when people are like, yoga's not for me, I'm not flexible. I'm like, that's not what it's about. I know, but I I kind of feel like uh, when I'm in yoga, I feel like I'm not meant to be there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm just like, place. you're seeing people and you're just like, I'm not, what you know, what's happening around me? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it doesn't work yeah. I totally it just doesn't just work for me gym. like mm. it, I'm sure it does work I know people it works for but um uh but like doing different types of stretching that's probably inspired by yoga kind of more works for, you. for me mm. um because because I'm real shit at that too mm. you know um but but yeah it's also that journey when you're talking about um going back to running again but when I in COVID I set myself a goal to run a half marathon mm. and um, that year I was going to compete, well, not compete, but, you know, just go on one of those runs. But because of COVID happened, I just, like, did it myself, just ran Strava and did it myself. Yeah. Yeah, like massive worked my way up up to it. But the first run I ever did, um, I, and I'm no joke, I ran, I Oh, I don't think it was 500 metres, maybe 300 metres. Yeah. And, like, I was fucked, mm. you know. Like, I mean, like, destroyed. Like, then, you know, do the stop and start thing. And I think I was 300 metres and I'd run, like, another 50 metres mm. and then I'd run another 50 metres. That was me, yeah. you know. Um, but it does change. You kind of build your way up. And now, right now, because I haven't run in a while, I've ran, like, 5Ks the other week and I... I cooked myself yeah <laughs> do, you, do you know what i mean but it's like that kind of thing where you just kind of go well your body changes and adapts just like your mind does um and actually a good friend of mine said something to me that was that blew me away i never really thought of it this way he's just like our minds and our bodies do so much for us mm. but we never do anything for them mm. yeah. like they'll run themselves into the ground um, for us and they do it for us with no expectation of anything in return and we never give anything to them. That's kind of what threw me, uh, mm -hmm. you know, threw, just 
through my whole perspective. <laughs> and I thought as a worker, I was, yeah, running myself into the ground, burning out. Um, and I think that the scariest thing, I think, as a, as a worker um, are not so much the people that realise they're burning out, it's the people that don't. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So when I talked about smoking weed every day, I had no idea that, you know, like copious amounts. When I mean, like I'd get home from work and smoke like eight joints, mm. you know, like big baseball bat joints, like big. And I would have told you at that time I was fine. Yeah. You know, but my wife would have told you that I would go, you know, straight inside and like while I'm saying hello to her, I'm chopping up a mix. Like I hadn't even said hello to her yet. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I it was on my mind coming home, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was this escapism, mm. you know. But if you had told me, like, because I was not super calm in stressful situations, totally fine, um, you know, my work was looked like it was presenting all right because I used to get some of the harder caseloads in my work. Um, yeah. I shouldn't say harder caseloads, but more challenging yeah. um, situations. Um, and I would have, you know, I swear to I was blue in the face that so I was totally fine, mm. <laughs> you know, but I wasn't fine because I needed to do all of these other things um, to um, escape reality yeah reality because i didn't want to like because the, the the feelings had come up in different ways and mm. i think that that's what vicarious trauma does mm. yeah. i don't actually think it's that obvious most of the time to workers and i think as new workers it's something that they've got to watch out for mm. because they might think they're okay mm. um, what was the crux for you when did it when did you realize um well okay so um I think I was coming to the to the to the brink of um, ending my life. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I don't think I know. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I just had a moment where um, I I think I was going to do it. Like that was it. Like mm. I was literally writing what was supposed to be my suicide note, but it ended up. I was like real drunk and real like I was writing this thing and that was it. And then um, I just had this epiphany of like uh, why am I punishing the kid that went through all of this trauma? Yeah. Actually, like this kid didn't deserve all of this punishment. and um, And I kept punishing that kid and I had that self-realisation. And it was real weird. That was the realisation that got me working with other people in a different way. So mm. more, um, a lot more connected to them rather than just my, I share my own story, but I don't um, when I'm working one-on-one with people. Mm. Yeah. Um, because I'm absolutely fascinated with them. But I, yeah, I don't know what it was, but it was like I felt like a, it's almost like a massive weight off my shoulders. Mm. Um but of course, I had a million of those conversations with people earlier, where they're like, "You don't deserve to do this to yourself, or this or that, or whatever." But um, it was the time of just saying it to myself. But yeah. that was, if I'm going to be really honest, mm. um, it was 
one night and then a massive journey mm. from there and I'm about oh, four or five years into that journey now and yeah. haven't had, you know, a depressive moment and, um, yeah, because at the time I had, yeah, lots of crazy stuff, chronic suicidal ideation, which yeah. meant like it doesn't stop and mm. yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm, I can so... It's it's weird. To, it feels weird to say that it's over. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. because sometimes people think you're a bit full of shit when you say that. They're like, "Oh, it would come back from time to time," but it 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 just doesn't. But it took so much work. Yeah, um, but if you would, but still have shit days. Don't get me Absolutely. wrong. Like anybody does. Like I don't. It's it's not that mm-hmm. I don't have a shit day, but. Um, yeah, there was just heaps of things that I hadn't dealt with, I think, and uh, or I dealt with in a different way. Um, being mad at people, like, mm. um, yeah, I reached out to family members that had done me wrong, and I, I openly forgave all of them um, for myself. Did all of those kind of things. Mm. Found compassion and love for them, yeah. Even when, you know, they didn't do too, you know, good things to me. Um, but I, yeah, found found a lot of that, yeah. Mm. Didn't think that it was this interview was going to lead this way, but that's kind of cool. No, I <laughs> <Yeah>. didn't either. <laughs> it's amazing though, because I think you even make the comment. You know, it feels weird saying like that it's over, but it is. And like you know, I still have bad days. Everyone has bad days, but it's also like back to the work thing. If you stopped doing your gratitude, if you stopped all of the things that you embed in your life, even the moments that I'm sure, you know, taking silent moments like to enjoy time with the kids or with your partners or, you know, to be fully accepting of, I guess, the smaller things in life that you are grateful for, mm. then then maybe things would come undone, you know, and it's, it's not that it's about, you know, people talk about their journey and I guess like what you're saying, it feels weird to say it's over because you're still working on it. You're still working on yourself. You're still trying to be the best version of yourself. And you might be past, <coughs> you know, moments of chronic suicidality or you might be past, you know, um, I don't know what you called it. I forgot what you called it. Was it catastrophic? Uh, it's a, I think it's like an old saying. Yeah. I don't think they say it, catatonic depression. Catatonic, I don't think right. they use it anymore, but it, they did when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. It would be interesting actually to go back and look at some of the renamed things in the DSM because yeah, yeah, I'm sure yeah. there would be a few that have yeah. been recategorised or renamed. Um but yeah, it's like it's about, you know, being on your journey. I've sort of forgotten my point of where I was going, but putting in the work and mm. that, you know, it doesn't sort of, the buck doesn't just stop there. Yeah, and absolutely. like, I really love the point that you made about vicarious trauma and burnout because I don't think a lot of people know what that is. No. I've been to um, a phenomenal training. And if anybody's keen to do training on vicarious trauma, Blue Knot do a phenomenal um, training on vicarious trauma. Awesome. But when I did that, so I did that about, maybe four or five years ago now, at the start of the um, PD, the facilitator said, can people please write down what your your own impression of what vicarious trauma and burnout are? Mm. There was very little people in the room that could name that. Mm. There was a girl that was like, sorry, I actually, I've been told to come here. I don't know what vicarious trauma is. I don't Mm. know what the word vicarious, I've just Googled the word vicarious and I'm just a bit lost. I don't know what to Mm. write down. Mm. Mm. Um, And yeah, I don't think it's, I, I don't know whether it's, Maybe not explained well to people, but the way you had just put it mm. uh, in your explanation, I, I guess it's lived experience, so obviously it's quite real. And it, But the way you explained it then I think was really, like I, you said it and I was like, yeah, of mm. course. 
But I think there's so many people that maybe think vicarious trauma is just that thing that happens, but it doesn't happen to me. Same with burnout. You know, it's not Mm. when you, like you said, it's not the people that think they're burning out. It's the people that you can see are burning out but can't Mm. see that in themselves. And there's a there's a thing as uh, uh, we another guest that you have on here, Dan Cocker, has said to me that um, really stuck out was um, our oh, I don't want to mess up his words, but our he'll come for you. Yeah, I know, he'll come <laughs> for me. But it, it's basically the the people that mean the most of us get our wor- most to us get our worst selves. Yeah, mm. you know, so everybody else is cool but it's like your partner sees you breaking down your yeah. uh, best friend uh you know close people in your life they're the ones uh the closest though so not just people you're close with but the closest mm. get your worst selves mm. um get your worst self um and they'd be able to tell you but they might be afraid to tell you yeah you know um but they'd be able to tell you that like my wife would have been like I didn't know how to stop your addictions. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, um, you know, it comes out in parts you, my, I think I was pretty extreme, but I think there could be people that could relate to it, but it was yeah. pretty extreme. Like I'd be like, if I drank, I'd need to do drugs afterwards. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'd be like, Oh, let's get a bag. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. um, like it'd just be like, oh, hang on, things are gonna get normal in a second. Like, mm. uh, but I, I don't know, like maybe subconsciously thinking that, or, yeah. or whatever, because, yeah, you just don't do that, that work. But it happens in different ways for different people. Don't get me wrong; it doesn't have to be just that experience. But um, it could be yeah, eating poorly, or mm. um, you know, just generally not looking after ourselves, sleep. Um, that's that's my thing at the moment. Working on sleep, like yeah. I'm I'm not good at sleeping. Mm. So there's always something like you're saying in a journey. Like yeah. I'm like, oh, that's my new thing now. Like, yeah. what have I got to do to get on top of my sleep um, slowly but surely, um, just to get there. Um, and I'm sleep's near huge. It, that's cool. Mm. Like, look yeah. at the research into like sleep-deprived new mothers. Yeah. And what that can do to your psyche. Like there is actually so much evidence that go into, oh. goes into like how important, like you said before about hydrating, it actually is huge. Yeah. Being massive. appropriately hydrated and having the appropriate amount of sleep. Like there's things that we just do. Like you're born and you just, you, you learn that you have breakfast, lunch, dinner, and you go to bed and, you know, you do all those sorts of things that we just start to do as a human race. But I don't know whether people realise how intricate they are in actual, your actual level of survival. And like you said before, our minds and our bodies would die for us. It's those little things like getting enough sleep, making sure you're hydrated, eating, but eating good food that's nourishing your body, you know, not just something quick, says me, that had like an egg and cheese toasty for lunch yesterday from from the cafe next door. But, you know, making better decisions and and doing so. But not being perfect, like you said. Like you can do, Mm. like you can't have to live this perfect, clean, you know, like, but it's just... The Instagram life. Yeah, being, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like you're, the fact that you can go back and say that means that I bet you your diet's not really that bad. Like I ate that yesterday. Like I'm like, I'm the same. Like I, I like was like, I'm not, if there's chocolate in my house, it's game over. Like yeah. I can't, if it's not in my house, I'll never buy it. I'll yeah. never do anything. But if it's in my house, like I, I loathe Easter time. 
because <laughs> I am like just a fiend when it comes to it. Like Jodie got a present the other day, my wife. She got a present the other day. It was like um, lint balls the other day and all I thought in my head was shit and it wasn't even my present. <laughs> you know, I was just like, shit, I'm going to. I'm gonna like seriously destroy your present. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm laughing. And I had three of them last night. And yes. I was like, lint balls are good. I'm yeah. laughing, but lint balls are the fucking best. Yeah. Because I'm the same. Yeah. If there's not chocolate in the house, I'm not too phased. I'm a savory snacker. That's me. Yeah, but yeah. if there's chocolate, I'ma eat it. I'm gonna oh, eat all yeah. of it. But yeah. what's happened over the past two weeks is that I keep having Oreos as midnight snacks. I don't remember. But I keep waking up in the morning with like chocolate all over yes. my lips. Yes, I love that. Yeah. That's and then so I'm like, good. oh, there's an empty Oreo packet. So that's why I'm laughing when you're like, yeah. if it's in the house, I was like, yeah, oh. fuck it, I'm sniffing it out in my sleep. I'm like, where are those totally. Oreos? Well, yeah. it comes up a lot of the time. It's it's a there's a oh, I forgot his name now, the author, but he refers to it as resistance. It's like um the thing that um oh it's he made, he wrote a book called um the war of art it's an amazing book um a stephen pressfield yeah and he talks about resistance and it's like this thing that can either help you grow or it will destroy you mm. right so like you either eat the chocolate and it doesn't do good for you or you or you actually need that resistance to get stronger. So mm. you actually have to have that resistance. So think about it like you're lifting weights at a gym. It's actually the resistance that makes you stronger. Right, right, right. Um, it's the same with your mind and, you know, so it's that's why well, just going back to the point before, like shit things still happen. It's, mm. they, it's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah. it might not feel good and that's okay, mm. but yeah. it's a good thing that things um, – challenge yeah. you during the Creative day. Creative adversity. Mm. That's right. Yeah. You, you can use it as resistance. That. But they, but it's important to also understand that they can still crush you. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like you, if you decide not to, then that weight's falling on you, mm-hmm. you know? So um, being sort of aware of, of that, but then you kind of build a respect and almost um, like love for resistance, so you mm. don't like have it as a thing that you hate. Like cause mm. sometimes people use it as this crux just to fight against. Mm. Um, but it's almost something to understand. And I feel like I'm like a hundred percent on the start of that journey. You yeah. know, like I I feel like I will learn that to the day I die. You know, because mm. um, once you're aware of it, you're you're aware that resistance is in everything that you every life situation mm. Mm. we <laughs> can't learn I mean? that like, yeah I just exactly to get that concept yeah like it's there's always going to be some kind of resistance maybe before this interview feeling a bit anxious mm. that's good mm. you know like that's a good thing to to move through mm. um if you didn't feel it then you wouldn't there'd be no weight on your dumbbell yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like there'd be nothing nothing there so it's kind of um, they're good things, but again, yeah, being aware that they can crush you, mm. <laughs> it can crush you if you don't do anything. So, um, yeah, that's something that I've been working with over the last couple of, oh, two, oh, not even that concept, maybe the last two years or something. And I feel yeah. like I'm like totally at the beginning, mm. you know, um, but 
yeah, it just gives you a different perspective, I think. Like just on like bad shit happening. Just like, oh, okay. Mm. Um, because it can I still be feel like... shit. That's okay. But yeah. like I what what's in this? What's yeah. that? What's um you know, that lesson like you've heard of the obstacle as the way, like stoicism, like looking at the obstacle as like the key to moving forward. Mm. Um, sorry, I'm probably going to go too deep. But, no, totally but you know, like it's the key to that key to moving forward, like yeah. that actually the gifts are in the resistance. Um, and But it's rarely sold that way. Mm. You know, like when you think it's, you know, typical self-help stuff or um, – there can be that, yeah, that whole idea of like if you do this, this and this and then everything will be okay. Yeah, and, and then, then it's the more person... about the destination anyway. It's not necessarily right. about your own growth journey. That's ex- It's like do A, B I and C. I couldn't agree more. And I then you'll be the perfect free-range organic yeah. yoga-loving hippie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not how it works, mm. right? And if you don't stop and enjoy the journey or stop to smell the roses per se, you'll get to mm. the end and be like, fuck, what did I miss? Yeah, yeah, because you don't want to know what absolutely the steps are. You need to figure them out, isn't it? Yeah, it's in it's in that it's in the work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's but in it's that like work. People that work their fucking asses off day in day out, sixteen hour days to earn money to get to you know. Oh, I want to be at this particular point in my life, and they end up just working their lives away. Mm. That's like it. there's um. Oh, now I can't think of a book that I was trying to think of, but it, the premise of the book was um this woman went to like an aged care home and asked um the residents what their biggest regrets in life were Mm. and a lot of them were just working away their lives of Mm. trying to get somewhere and not actually enjoying the journey and missing such a significant portion of their life because they were constantly focused on where they wanted to be not where they were and enjoying it totally and it's funny Mm. when you say that there's some work i've done in organizations Mm. and this happens all the time every organization you guys probably do it yourself they work with goals Mm. You know, what's your goal? Um, and it was, I was doing some training the other day and it was like, it's a tough thing to sort of talk to them about. But I was like, goals are cool, but milestones are more important because milestones actually carve the person's personality and personal growth. Yeah. The goal kind of is the nice thing. Mm. Like running a half marathon, you're happy that you've run it you go cool i've run a whole a half marathon but you all the learning was like leading up to it yeah. um and all the things that stick with you were the things that led up to it yeah. like where that i don't think was the pinnacle yeah, <laughs> you know right. i think of all the things that i never would have known yeah and i was talking to workers about how do we capture that kind of stuff um because they According to paperwork, they might not have achieved the goal. Mm. They achieved so much more oh, than the goal yeah. that yeah. was really, really important. But where do we where do we place that, and mm. how do we invest in that? Mm. Um, I know it might not look good in your research, mm. but like, oh, good researchers do it, go go heavy into this stuff. Um, but what are the you know, what are those things that really matter to the person? Because that's the shit that holds on to you for the rest of your life. Like they're the things that like mould you into the person you are, your character. Yeah. Um, the goal certainly doesn't do that. Well, that's my understanding. Mm. Mm. I would agree. I'm trying to think of we – I was looking at a, um, a goal template today and I'm trying to 
like imagine it the examples that were in there yeah they're not coming to my yeah, mind right no, now I... but as opposed to say like a a milestone of housing yeah <coughs> well i mean i've got a, mm. like you know a conversation like a example uh, that was come up at work was that a young person went to detox mm. lasted two days and left awesome Right. Amazing. Yeah, but the initial conversation you could have was fail. Didn't didn't complete the detox stay. Right. We put all this time and effort into that young person to get there, and then fuck, they only went for two days. But actually, it's the to get in there to have him stay the two days for you know. There's so many wins in that. Mm. Yeah, so huge. many wins in that. Mm. I've taken in, young people and not even got them through the front fucking through, door, yeah. and I'm like. Yes, you we came still with me. got here. That's right. We got here. You, you got out of bed. 100%. You got out of bed. We got in the car. We spoke the whole way here. Maybe next time we get through the door. That's it. Absolutely, you know. I couldn't. Ag- yeah. yeah, I couldn't agree more. And two days is a mammoth effort for that's somebody huge. that's never, never yeah. detoxed before. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you know they're not always the you know the ideal environment, especially. Well, now it's probably different, but the COVID was really. I remember hard mm. for detox mm. because detox generally take young people out and do things and all of that where they couldn't yeah they couldn't um but anyway it was that's a mammoth yeah, yeah. effort huge thing for a young person but it's you're like right like even if i think of um situations in which i've had young people just get to the front door or mm-hmm. do the, the two days you know i've then definitely been a part of meetings before where child protection will say or not just child protection i'm not going to slag them but like statutory agencies will say so they failed their detox day. Yeah. And you're like, well, no. Nah. It's too... It's too no, no, no. The goalpost yeah. wasn't 14 days. Yeah. The goal was getting them in the car. That's and right. we got so much further than that. And mm. I think there's that whole idea of we did this, this and this is that mentality that we're talking about earlier. Yeah. Like mm. it's in make it about us rather than about them. Yeah. You know, yeah. like so it's like, oh, and they failed us. I'm like, whoa, hold up. Like back it up. Yeah, yeah. It's not they're not. You. They're not doing it for you mm. or that might be what you think mm. but if you step into their mm. um experience you you'd look at it the way josh is saying or mm. both of you are saying you'd look at it like that and you'd say well that would have that's probably a really big thing for them mm. and nobody's standing with them to celebrate that mm. everybody's saying that you're a fuck up mm. you know you maybe not in those kind of words but that's yeah. what young people hear yeah. you know when oh you didn't you didn't achieve the thing that we set out for you to achieve. That's you right. left My early. question would be how many things have you, how's that gym membership going? Not being harsh, but mm. like how's that diet going? Yeah. How's that this going? Not, And are you nailing it at all the points in your mm. life? Mm. Yeah. Um, probably not. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know right. what I mean? But you're, but yeah, it's more of a human connection, I think, of like understanding people on a, you know, on that kind of level. Mm. Mm. Do you think? Um, nope. Never. Not <laughs> no. once. Not one thought. I've just realised you got some pretty purple sockies on today. Thanks. Oh, they're Spice lovely. Of my life. And they match. Those. Sorry. Spice Lavender. Oh, I thought you said blast of my life. I thought it was a brand. Nah, Santa Cruz. Oh, okay. All right, mainstream boy. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> um, I was gonna ask because you mentioned before, and Josh, why are you laughing again? Josh had you called me mainstream boy. It was just funny. We were in Santa Cruz. <laughs> you got fucking Birkenstocks on. 
But I know you've worn Birkenstocks for a very long time, so. No, I only brought them when the kids started wearing them. Before they were cool. When the kids. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What was I saying? Oh, we're talking about before around roles around like lived experience advocates. And so there's specific roles that are advertised for people specifically with lived experience. Yeah. I personally think that's amazing. I think they're an integral part of the work that we do. I think um, we should be using them to inform practice, all of that stuff. But my, I, I guess I have a question for you mm. because I've, from, from two different areas, As a, if I went to a training and the person up the front said that they had lived experience, so I, I mentioned Blue Knot before, for example, all the facilitators and workers from Blue Knot are survivors of childhood sexual assault. Mm. Um, and they're amazing people. They're, it, their trainings are just so phenomenal and knowledgeable. And I, I really quite enjoyed that in a training because mm. there was an element of you get it, you've lived it, this is your journey and you're sharing it and thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. But for me, there's a level of additional understanding or alternative understanding because it's not just something you've studied or that you've worked with before. It's something that you've lived through. So for me, that's something that I respect hugely. Do you find, I guess, in the difference of, because you've done case management or direct care sort of stuff and then you've done facilitator training, do you find a difference in opinion from professionals being a lived experience lived experience facilitator as opposed to a lived experience worker. And the reason I ask this is because I've definitely been in spaces before with lived experience <coughs> practitioners where I felt like there was other professionals in the room that didn't respect having them in that space or were uncomfortable about having a lived experience worker or professional in the space. So I guess from my um, – I – that's something that I quite I thrive in that environment. I really like learning that way, um, and I think predominantly the people that we all work with probably have a little bit of their own lived experience anyway. Um, but I guess from my perspective, that's something that I quite respect. So to, to see other people have maybe a different value or belief or view or maybe being uncomfortable in a situation, that's quite intriguing to me. So as someone who's done you know direct care with lived experience and is a facilitator. Do you, is that something that you notice and is that something like how would you reflect that back to people that maybe don't have lived experience how would you I guess what would be maybe some words of wisdom around the integral part that they play in the work we do people with not without lived experience with or both with, but with, with lived both. experience okay. yeah um, because now you're seeing more I guess as before it might be someone does a role that has lived experience. Mm. Whereas now we're seeing, you know, big organisations advertise for lived experience advocates, mm. lived experience practitioners. Mm. So, you're, you know, we're, we're hiring that deliberately now. We're, we're looking for that. We're seeking that. We see the evidence and the research and the benefit that that has. Mm. So I get it just from uh, the reason I'm asking is from your perspective of someone who I guess comes into the work who that is a part of the work that you do is having had lived experience. That's something that you've spoken to before do you find that space uncomfortable um do you know I, what i mean or is that just too many words no i i don't feel uncomfortable yep. as a as a trainer because i i wear it at the forefront at the start i don't really go into it afterwards but i kind of um because usually i start my training with um what inspired you to become a youth worker, not what inspires, but what inspired. Mm. Um, 
because sometimes I, well, I guess in the training I like to sort of break that mold of um of uh well, it's almost like system trauma or something like people yeah. people are like they forget why they were youth workers, mm. yeah. you know, um, and they'll give you a little bit of a, just a, an answer now, but it's like the first one's always pretty cool, I think, yeah. like before you studied yeah. or before you got your first job or, you know, what what was it that you were trying, that really inspired you? Drop, you? Sort of yeah, thing. exactly. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, a lot of my training, I, I, you know, I join that conversation. So I usually start and then inspire others to share. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that I, the only thing I think in terms of being a lived experience practitioner that makes me a bit uncomfortable is when you share your story, you know, you can, you know, obviously because we're all, we all work in youth work and people are are very connected to stories of experience because it's why people work in our work. Um, but the validation of other people in the room. Yeah. Like I think that that's the thing that I, I, I don't like with other people. If they, let's say they don't have what's seen as a, a bigger story as to why they were a youth worker, but personally I do see it as a big story. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if somebody's like I had, I don't know, I had a neighbour or something um, that had an issue or, or a friend I grew up with, I'm mm. like, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like mm. you did this for your friend yeah. or, you know, and you live this whole life and you and you still reflect back to your friend. I'm like, that's incredible. Mm. You know, like um, or, you know, you volunteered at a place and you were inspired or, you know, whatever it, whatever it was. Um, I think they're incredible stories. Mm. Um, so that's the only thing I feel uncomfortable with because I don't feel like just because I've got a lived experience that other people don't have really amazing things to share. Um, It's like, you can't measure trauma, right? It's like mm, saying that someone who's a victim of family violence or a survivor of family violence is better or worse off than someone who's a survivor of sexual assault. Yeah. Mm. We as workers don't measure trauma. Yeah. So why would we measure the validity of why somebody got into the work. But I, I I totally agree where you're coming from in the sense of people thinking that, like, oh, is that a good enough, mine's not as, well, I don't want to say the word bad, but, like, my, my, you know, experience isn't as embedded as yours or, you know, you might have had um, grown up in a, you know, broken home or something. You know, I had a really good upbringing. Do you get what I mean as, as opposed to the examples of, Validation. So, yeah, as so somebody with lived experience and I hear that you've come into it with a good upbringing, I have a tremendous amount of respect for that because it means that you've stepped, it, like just human to human, mm. you've decided to step into this space even though you weren't. Oh, I was c- not using myself as an example, sorry. No, oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> no, I didn't no, no. know. Oh, sorry, okay, sorry. I was just trying to think My of bad. examples, My sorry. No, but no, let's no. say, okay, hypothetically somebody yeah. has mm. then stepped into the space with that. Yeah. I have an incredible amount of respect for that person yeah. because it's just like, you know, I think going back to the kid self, or like, you know, those are the people that like helped when they didn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, let's be honest, like we're not in the highest paid jobs. Yeah. And people have taken those jobs to, because <laughs> they care about people. Like, yeah. That's so rad to yeah. me. Like, um, and that should be, 
really respected and, and promoted. Um, so, and I know certainly as a, as a practitioner that has a lived experience, I've learned from every practitioner I've ever worked with, mm. like, and, uh, you know, um, would never look at them as not, um, you know, not valid or, you know, like right now I'm doing some work right now with like two PhD candidates um, to do, you know, to bring some evidence to He's some of the work. He's not talking about us, by the way. Yeah. Ah, I'm are. glad you clarified <laughs> that. But, but people, but people <laughs> that, I, um, that I'm, I'm absolutely learning with from every day, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and they're more coming from the academia side and I'm yeah. learning from them every day. Like, and I really mean that, not in a nice way. I mean, like, I'm a straight up student in some of the, in a lot of the spaces that we're walking into. And I think I still am. Mm. <laughs> like, whenever I walk into an organisation, like, I um, I never strike up ideas because I've had all of this experience. I always think, oh, what's the situation? What can I learn? Like, how can I be a student? Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think anybody can do that, I think. Um, so... Um, the only thing that I would say, though, there was a point that I was thinking is if they are going to get mo- a lived experience people in, be I'm very, or organisations are, I'm very interested to see how they track that. Mm. Um, if they're talking about um, building an evidence base, because mm. um, this is something I'm probably going to harp on about and it's really controversial, but I'm not at the, I'm not always, not, completely but i'm not always a fan of evidence-based work um uh and i say that not always i mean i am with a lot of still um but uh there's an element that are lived experience practitioners that are going to bring in that are not going to have like you're going to learn a lot and you it's going to be up to you to build an evidence base so for instance i might come in as a practitioner and uh, and say this is a really great way of working because I've, you know, had this lived experience, but plus I've learnt this, I'm not talking about myself, but as Mm. a worker, I've learnt this really great way of engaging young people. I reckon we should explore it. Mm. Sometimes they're met with, well, where's your evidence base? Yeah. You know what I mean? Based on what you're saying, Uh, which is a valid question. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But, But it's, I think it's important that we're, continually in our spaces building evidence bases based on our work and Mm. um you know people could say that i've heard people say that there's a risk with that because if you don't have evidence and then something goes wrong i'm like man you know the evidence-based models are full of risk Mm. and full of things going wrong and you know full of um holes you know massive massive holes um and sometimes the evidence that we're bringing to our work isn't correct for our our environment culturally um, or, you know, our, our, our work. So mm. you can say this is an evidence base that we've brought across here because it's proven, but it might be very different mm. in the new environment that it's entering into. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, I think it's a buzzword now as well because it's quite similar to self-care or... Yeah. Um, you know, duty of care, like they become these buzzwords sometimes like, oh, yeah, evidence-based or the evidence. 
Yeah. Mm, especially it's just like, referred like a to new like program. This, this fancy ethos. There's like yeah. a new program and it's like, yeah. oh, it comes from like, you know, real big evidence base. Yeah. Like, like we're validating ourselves. So yeah. to put it in layman's terms, I suppose, for people listening as well, what you're trying to say is, is that often a, 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 a whatever, a program or an approach or a model or a framework would come from an evidence base. And they would say that might be, to put it really basically, and this is complete bullshit, but that the best way to support a young person would be if you did outreach five days a week. And we know that because of evidence-based mm. sort of research and things. But you're saying that maybe a lived experience worker might be able to say, well, you know, like in my experience, I had a worker come and see me <coughs> three nights a week in the after hours space, three nights a week. And I think maybe we could embed something like that. But the organization you're dealing with might say, well, where's your evidence base for that shame? And you might not necessarily have one. That's but right. that's not necessarily a bad thing. And we could maybe try this model and gather evidence as we go. But organizations maybe a little be risk adverse mm. and say, well, we think we're going to stick with the five day a week thing because we've got the evidence base to support that. That's, uh, yeah? that's yeah, yeah, definitely. And I but, don't even think as a lived experience practitioner, though, that pr- I think practitioners bring new, sure. new like any practitioner, um, can bring new ways or the new learnings like yeah. good researchers will tell you this all day like yeah. I, I worked in so many the reason I say is I worked in so many I was a project manager and so many heavily researched mm-hmm. um, programs programs and people would be like oh this that and the other and I'd, I'd read the research reports and mm. I'm like oh my god there's so much interesting stuff in here mm-hmm. um, that yeah could form an evidence base or you know but because i'm not an academic Mm. it makes it really hard Mm. so i've actually yeah aligning with some yeah people that are are academics but are also uh in have the same alignment that Mm. i do Uh, and we're not anti-evidence based because that's ridiculous to Mm. say like it's (laughs) you know what i mean like we're not anti because there's there's an absolute great reason why it, it exists and there's lots of really good work formed off the back of evidence base but we've yeah got to constantly be exploring that's right that space you have to have room mm. for yeah. things to change which they yeah. do and will and you have to have rooms room to question things and definitely yeah as i mean you're dealing with this is the joke i always make to people is like whether it's talking about this or talking about anything i'm like i always remind people in my team whatever i'm like you're working with humans mm. you're not working with numbers or clothes like you're working with human beings yeah so you know, you can't be too, is it rigid? That's yeah, one, one yeah. size doesn't yeah. fit all. 100%, yeah. And so, yeah, when you're talking about, like, you know, like that evidence-based stuff, like it's mm. how can you be so, so structured and rigid? Definitely. Outreach is a huge Definitely. one, though. Outreach is a huge one for young people. Outreach works phenomenally for young people because you meet them where they're at. You meet them in an impartial yeah, environment, sure. in their mm. space, all that sort of stuff. So true. But I've also got clients that are like, no, motherfucker, I'll come into the office. Yeah. Because they don't want you in their space. They would rather mm. come and sit in the the room with the white walls. Yep. And But that's their decision, you yeah. know. So it's just like I think if you spoke to most youth workers, they would talk about the benefit of outreach. Mm. Yep. And absolutely it has it. It's benefit. So I can see that working. But there's also a flip side of that. Mm. We can't, unfortunately, well, I don't think it's unfortunately, but one size doesn't fit all. Yeah, we are working exactly. with humans. Humans are fluid. And, they change, you know, and week the, to week. And the experts in that space, because and I think maybe this the biggest 
can be the biggest gripe is that a lot of practitioners and lived experience people are left out of that. So uh, there's a lot of people in academia and good good academics kind of look at all spaces, don't yeah. get me wrong, like great academics do. I've, I've met many. But um, there is an, you know, like if I, you know, bring an evidence-based model to somebody that's uh, connected to service with a lived experience, like somebody that's connected to another service and they go, that doesn't fucking work for me, mm. then should I then say to them, where's your evidence base? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I'm saying? Do you know, yeah. like, and, I, and then that's not to bag that, you know, the approach, but it's to sort of say that, important people are often left out of conversations yeah. like an important perspective is left out of conversations like i'll guarantee you if you got somebody to meet with all of you the practitioners in your teams they'd learn so much yeah more than anything that they could read mm-hmm. you know um i have a joke as a um that my evidence base was um surviving hanging out at ringwood station in the 90s <laughs> do you know what i mean like but yeah like but it was notorious yeah. at that stage like it was notoriously mm. bad yeah um but the there was just a way that you could be <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. and yeah. there was just a way i know that's it sounds ridiculous to say that when i'm comparing it to an evidence-based work sorry but no but it's but it's also to sort of say that's what built connection because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I've been at least to say I've been that kid so I know how uh, it can feel uncomfortable when you pressure them in this way or that way or or, or um, read when they're talking absolute bullshit to you. Mm. Like, you know, like even just working, being around heaps of people in crime, like if you, you've probably met them, this I was one of them, a sweet-talking criminal dude. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, where you'd get a worker or somebody coming up and talk, I'd tell you exactly what you wanted to hear. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I would not, I would not be connected to anything that I was saying, yeah. but the worker would think, yeah, There's I'm, all these great I'm nailing it like this or that. <laughs> um, and you can spot that where yeah. it's like, because that's all that is, is um, a protective mechanism. That's really interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds funny, but that no, that is. is super interesting to me when working with a cohort of people that have that experience. Like that's really, really interesting to me. Mm. Um the best people to go to will be practitioners that have been able to break those those molds yep. and have real conversation and get real work out of them. I, I struggle to see how that would be found in research if, you know, the right people weren't involved. In that, mm. do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, I struggle right, to find how you'd, you'd get that because that to me is, I mean, Josh, you've gone on your team. Like, You've got brilliant practitioners on your team that have I, I know from you know speaking to some of the young people that they've been able to break that mold, you know, because they're obviously really fucking good at what they do. Um, but it's like I'm I the thing that I think of in my head first off is I'm like, oh, how do we bottle that? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, mm. how do we bottle that? Um 
and how you know how could you build yeah again like an evidence base to based on that you know it's yeah there's a range of different ways to approach it but i just think that it's almost like we just just simply that we never stop learning and we should always keep learning and not shut anything out hence why i say i don't bag evidence base because i read it too mm-hmm. <laughs> you know because it's so important for me to know that stuff yeah um and, time and place yeah and a lot of it a lot of what i've researched is true and mm. does work and is, is totally appropriate um but yeah we just can't shut off learning um by shutting people out because they don't have one when perhaps it could be something that could be worked on and built and as I said, great researchers kind of know this because they're like, I've got some friends that are researchers, they're like fiends when it comes to learning something new <laughs> or, oh. you know, a new learning coming out and they're just like, oh, my God, what's that about? Yeah. Um, we need to dive in. Um, yeah, so um, and I think that some of them, well, some that I've met have been frustrated because they've been cut off from diving in <laughs> because mm. they're like, oh, well, there's, I don't know if there's much evidence based on what you're saying. They're like... We were making you know, a huge joke like about this the other that... day because um, myself and another colleague, um, because they've renamed um, so Secure Welfare, we've spoken about before. Yep. Um, Secure Welfare is a facility uh, for young people <coughs> um, who used as a containment for behaviours, complexities, um, that aren't necessarily like criminal-based behaviours where you go to Parkville and Lansbury. I'm just explaining that. It's a welfare-based, right? Yeah. yeah. So Secure Welfare has been renamed. Oh, here we go. To Secure Care. And I actually got pulled up in a couple of meetings because I kept saying Secure Welfare and I kept getting correct. It's Secure Care, Secure Care, Secure Care. And I was like, oh, geez, like we're really running with the new name, right? But I get it. You rebrand, you want to rebrand, you rebrand for a reason. So Mm. I understand that. And so I actually went to Secure Care and I said Secure Care. And none of the employees there were like, they're like, what? Mm. And I said, oh, rename Secure Care. And they were like, no one's communicated that to us. Secure welfare is as far as I'm concerned. And then we all made a joke that it would have been some big wigs being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to rename in line with the rename of Department of Health and Human Services, Department of Family and Fairness and something now. Something, I don't know. To be in line with the new... I'm not trying to be rude, I just don't remember what it's called. No, 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 I think it's it's, pretty new. Department of Fairness and Family, I think. Services, maybe. Um, But now they've got secure care. But even the staff on the ground, who you would think that work at a facility that you'd want to consult with around that, Mm. that maybe you, but they didn't even know about it, you know? Mm, And I guess it's, yeah. Oh, I thought it was hilarious. We were making a huge joke about Mm. it. Um, And like secure care and secure welfare, like they're actually not that different. Totally. Anyway. If anything changed the secure name. Yeah. The secure word. I don't know. Like I feel like I wouldn't have gone with secure care. But even then we still know that it's got a lot in the front and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you need to swipe it again in and out. But Mm. I think it's just another example of sometimes we're not necessarily consulting the the, the frontline workers that, you know, all the people on the floor that probably have a better embedded understanding of the work that's happening and the impact that maybe what they're putting in place would have. It'd be interesting to see if they actually change the model based on the name change. 
I don't reckon they're changing any models. I think it was just the name. That's hilarious. Oh, Sorry, I, I don't know. That, I don't, but, I mean, but, I don't but, work for the department. But, if that, <laughs> but I mean, like, it's. I think it's, yeah, like important that hmm. if something like, is communicated, the then what are we communicating But is it just a change of name or is it a framework? Yeah. yeah. Is the care that's being provided in there changing or is it just a name? Yeah, it's crazy. It's a big conversation it? as well, talking about how it functions and. Yeah. yeah. I was in a combo the other day. Oh, it wasn't the other day. It was a little while back, but it was pretty funny. Like, I feel like anything that happened about... in like 2019. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, probably true. 2017 though, I think. I'm, <laughs> I think not in like the other day. Um, but I remember like someone saying, a youth worker saying young people in front of a young person. And that person was just like, stop fucking calling us young people. You sound like a youth worker. Right. Well, what were they like, like to be called? And man? that was like the thing. Well... No, I shouldn't say that's not talking on behalf of all young people, sure, but it was sure, this true. young person. But I thought it was a bit funny yeah. because they were like totally okay to be called a kid or yeah. totally okay yeah, to be. All the time. And, but yeah. I often say kid and I'm yeah. like, oh, I correct myself because I'm like, if I was like 16 and someone called me a kid, I'd be like, fuck off. I'm not a kid. Yeah. And so it's, it's something that I think about, but it's hilarious. You're yeah. right. Because yeah. we do just refer to all oh, the young people. Yeah. Better than like, totally. Yeah. Better than clients. Totally. Well, I used to say the kids and then someone once said to me, well, no, because I said the kids and at the time I was doing a role and the youth centre I was um, that I would uh, sort of co-locate at sometimes is called My Place. Oh, yeah. So hmm. if I've got the kids at My Place, yes, it's not a great sentence, is it? No. Yeah, for people that don't yeah, know, pretty... my place is a youth centre. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah, kids yeah, I'm referring yeah. to are clients. Yeah, well, not make my sure children. You say that. Yeah, make sure you say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, um, yeah, for sure. It's interesting. Like, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I kind of like, I, I like good language around, mm. you know, stuff, but I, I don't, yeah, I think it's sometimes pulling people up when they're coming from a really great place. Yeah. You know, like I personally hate when people say disadvantaged young people. Mm. Mm. Like they're just young people experiencing disadvantage. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's just not a nice thing to say. That's actually what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like the Same disadvantaged young person isn't what's happening. Substances. Yeah. It's another huge one. Yeah. Because it Go puts again. person at the front. A substance user. Yeah. As opposed to a person who uses substances. Gotcha. Yeah. Or a young person who uses substances. It's, yeah, all about language. Same as victim and survivor or do victim you, versus survivor. Or, do you get annoyed when what? people say substance using? I just think it's nah. like bad English. I think. Yeah, mm. like he was substance using. I'm like, what? He's using substances. I laugh yeah. when people say affected by <laughs> yeah. illicit substances, like we've legalised half of our drugs here. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, that one gets me. One, yeah. yeah, or I, I hate the J word. That's not something that's in my vocabulary. Um, the or... J word, sorry. Um, Jail? No. Join? <coughs> I say it. Oh, I think yeah, it's no, important you can say it. You're not saying it. I don't like that. I know, I know the, the way I hate that. Yeah, hate you it. don't like it when people say junkie. Yeah. I think it's really important to say, though, why you don't because people why will like the word. in yeah, the community people will be like oh yeah no like this junkie fucking asked me for two dollars but pe- yeah, i think people think that it's they think it's a descriptive term like appropriate or descriptive mm. or yeah like it but it's not it's not okay to use a word like that well like no it's, a, it's just yeah. full of negative yeah, connotations, connotations for yeah. me and i think uh, even yeah. if you spoke to somebody who was addicted to drugs and ask them to define that word. For every single person, it is completely different. Some people would say 
It's a person who mm. can't go without using drugs. It's a person who uses heroin. It's mm. anybody who uses any drugs other than weed. So for everybody, it is such a different, and it's it's never used in a positive light unless somebody refers to themselves as like a, a gym junkie gym or junkie something or like that. Yeah. You know, it's for people that um, are using that word, you're not using it in a positive light and you do that at the expense of somebody else. And mm. for me, yeah, it doesn't. It should only. It doesn't sit well with no, 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 no. And that's no, why I'm I with said, you. I'm totally. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And, and I, I think it's yeah bad. I've heard people say it in meetings and stuff. Like, see, that's yeah. And I'm, I'll always pull up in that. And what yeah. I was about to say is that people that use that word should only come from a place of um, being naive. Yeah. Like if you're in this field or you know even connected to it, you should you should you should know that saying things like junkie and stuff is just like not not like appropriate anymore yeah well no. it probably was never appropriate but maybe it was maybe more the word to use before we kind of started to put some more like appropriate language around things and like could, sleeping rough over homeless yeah. and stuff and that you know as an example like and that's then, a real common term now but i feel mm. like is more modern sleeping rough and just allowing people to learn as well like rather than destroying people because i oh, totally sure, yeah. growing up i totally use that word oh Absolutely. All the time, yeah, yeah. all the time, and yeah. said it totally making fun of, and yeah. you know, um, and you know, um, yeah, and you just think that, yeah, it is, it's an awful word. And I, yeah, like I said, I've heard people say meetings and stuff, mm. like, we, but they not won't be referring to the person in that's the subject of the meeting, mm. they'll be going, oh, you know, dad's, a, oh, their dad's yes. a junkie. Yes. Mm. Or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's a dad as well. Like, don't. Yeah, that's a that's human a, being. That's an awful thing to say. And and, be, and this is another good point. It's a personal lived experience. I always think when people bag parents, I just think those parents, a lot of the time, not to just jump on another tangent, but a lot of the time can be people, young, were young people in the system. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so. You know, people forget <clears throat> that though. The minute you turn eighteen, yeah, exactly. You you're like baby, now you're, you're just, just, you know, you're just like now you're the parent and you're the bad parent and yeah. you're this or that. It's just like a lot of the time they're still, uh, they're they're still those children, mm. and especially well, even in society, especially men. Like a lot of men are still boys inside that are even fifty-year-old mm. men. Like they still act like they're on the schoolyard. Like yeah. I still have that mentality and they'll go and judge people. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that's just all men, but you'll know what I mean by oh, like sure. that whole yeah. mentality of like, yeah, you like meet a 50 meet year old someone. boy. Yeah. Sometimes I'll say like, you're oh, yeah, my dad, like a very, child. yeah. Like they're just mm. really, you know, oh, oh, this person, them, blah, blah, blah. And I'm yeah. this and I'm that and this, that. And I'm like, man, you have not escaped your 10-year-old you self. Yeah, or like, you haven't you resolved have not, something that happened yeah. to you when you were 10 or 12 or whatever it might exactly. be. And yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. There's a thing actually called um, boy psychology, which oh, is a, around yeah. it where they talk about a lot of the time in, um, and I don't, forgive me for messing it up, but like a lot of um, more sort of uh, indigenous circles, and I mean worldwide, like have... Uh, rituals in becoming a man mm-hmm. yeah, you know? yeah and I'll, I'll be careful when i say that because i don't i'm not a massive expert in that space but i deeply admire it mm. <laughs> you know like mm. so um yeah it's really 
um, interesting when you kind of see people casting judgment. And I've yeah looked at sometimes in care teams. I'm like, oh, you've still got a bit of that boy psychology in you by saying that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're just like, oh, you haven't grown up a bit, mm. you know. Um, and probably a good thing to say even youth workers um, coming into the space or new youth workers is um, just because you're not as experienced doesn't mean that you're not really valuable. Absolutely. You know? Um, Like um, (laughs) I remember I, this was in the music industry. It was when I worked in the music industry, but like I was a bit of a smart ass, but um, there was a, (laughs) there was like this older guy. As he says this with like the cheekiest on his face I've ever seen. But this old guy who's in the music industry for, um, you know, lot longer than I was and he was just a bit of a dickhead and like, and he was like, oh, you know, trying to tell people yes. this is the way and that way and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then he was trying to school me. He's like, I've done this for 30 years. And I'm like, man, that's a long time to be doing the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> so, love that. But you, well, I guess the thing that comes in the back of my mind is like, don't get me wrong, you should totally respect people's experience when they're um welcoming you to the space like mm. but but you are you do feel... bring valuable value yeah and it's yeah. very easy to think if you are a new worker you <coughs> don't bring value yeah. like i think even as you were just speaking like i vividly remember my first day working um at uh, a drug and alcohol agency where I work now, I like the, the random random person was like, oh, can you go and take um, minutes for so-and-so for this meeting? And I was like, fuck, I don't know what I'm doing. And it was like, I can't remember what the minutes were. Like I obviously took the minutes and typed them up and I'd sent them out for the meeting, but it was around um, like IT and like technology for youth workers and what to bring in, like iPhones or Samsungs, and it was like that's what was being discussed and upgraded. It's one of those real technology. thrilling meetings, eh? Oh, yes, it was riveting for me. My first day I was like, fuck this shit. No, I'm kidding. Um, but at the time... You're not kidding. You're not kidding. Oh, I, I, yeah. I had no idea what I was writing rep down there, giving yeah. me like product numbers and stuff, and all I kept yeah. thinking was, I'm so fucking dyslexic, don't get the numbers wrong. Like it's yeah. your first day, you can't get the numbers wrong. Right. Um, but got it down, noted it, and every single person in that meeting worked. There was sort of some people from my side, but mainly in our head office. And then every time I went up to head office from then, every single person from that meeting would be like, hey, Nat, how you going? Thanks so much for doing the minutes that day. And I was like, what? What do you mean? Like to me, it was just I thought they were just giving me a job to keep me busy. Now having been in the field for ages, I'm mm. like, fuck yeah, come take my minutes. minutes I would yeah, love yeah, someone yeah, to come yeah, sit yeah. in my room and take my minutes. But it was also just a great experience for me in networking with people and getting to know people. And, you know, yeah. we've got many a people in our team that will go to, say, our head office and be like, I don't like going up there, you don't know anyone, it's really awkward. Mm. I know most of the people up there because I took minutes in a meeting one time randomly. And for me, I just thought they were trying to give me a shit job to keep me busy. But really what had actually happened was they had someone to take minutes for a specific reason for a tender mm. that was going up for um like to get a tender for funding for it or whatever so unbeknownst to me that was actually a huge help to them to actually do all these Mm. things yeah but i think it's just so it's such a silly concept to think that because you're new or because you don't have more just as much experience as the next person doesn't make you incredibly value valuable in a situation or within yourself definitely and it's everybody has a different perspective everybody brings a different light a different view you know even if the three of us sat down with our 
varying levels of experience. We, there would be things that we have differing opinions on Absolutely. or different insights or, hmm. you know, you might say something and I'll wear like, fuck it. I would never have even thought yeah. to think in that direction mm. or even consider that element. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, 100%. You, mm. I think, yeah, mm. definitely if you knew it's intimidating <coughs> and, you know, you can be nervous and stuff. But, um, yeah, don't talk yourself out of a room you've deserved yeah. to be in. And, yeah, that's right. And, um, and in one thing, depending on how old some of those people are in this you know magic scenario we're talking about you're getting you've been educated in a more modern time yeah so yeah, there's a lot point. of different you know fra- frameworks or theories or you know pieces of evidence that you might have learnt from would be updated from back in that's a really however long ago yeah you know so and, yeah. and that's where it comes back to too. you're dealing with humans yeah so your experience or your whatever your suggestion might be, or whatever you got to say in that moment, is is completely valid because you're you're talking about humans and things like that. It's not like a, I don't know, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example of something where you really would need to have long time of experience in that job to ha- to be able to kind of con- contribute to the conversation. Doctor. Yeah, perfect example, right? Being a doctor, mm. like things haven't really changed. They've dealt with diseases in sick people and humans and stuff for a really long time yeah. like a doctor that's worked for 30 years probably has you on every thing but then, and they no, have no. to be on top of their work where yeah. i think sometimes with our work yeah you don't have to be no, on top you of can, your work that's right. you know you, you or you don't scoot. have to be on top of the the um which is we talk about this a lot being you know um you know going for your degree versus not having a degree mm. it's like the question really is, is do you stop learning? Mm. Mm. Because you could have got a degree 15 years ago and yep. doing this, like you said, doing dated stuff or you could have got a degree 15 years ago and constantly learning in your space and constantly, um, you know, uh, investing back into right. uh, your own knowledge of, of, of the workforce or, right. the, or 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 different practices or whatever it might be listening to the knowledge on tick podcast yeah listening no but it is it's it totally yeah. is it's a really valuable resource i i think i love that you guys do this i was just talking to down like sarah your manager yeah. and she i was just like how amazing it is to have this if you're a new worker like to have, be able to you know um get this kind of perspective that you get outside of the classroom and just see how people mm. are adapting different learning and, and how they're how adapting like, shoot um not <coughs> to have i like bounce ideas off people mm-hmm. you know like how many times do people write in either like the, the facebook group or mm. we get in discussions here and you're you know it's a like like i just said it's a different perspective or there's you know the facebook group there's one question but hundreds of people that are like mm. yep absolutely and you're connecting you're networking like it's bringing people together it's blowing up again because uni started i've noticed yeah heaps but of people like, joining it and i'm like what's going on it's heaps of people joining and then i've noticed cool. they're all writing like because you have to validate yourself you guys wouldn't have known but people were joining the group like they were like fake profiles or like uh. nigerian scammers and stuff and um so i asked people to write like just write something that validates you as a youth worker, social worker, something that you're in the field. So say things like yeah. resi care, say stuff that I'll know. <coughs> so what I just, oh, like I work, you know, I worked in resi, I used to work at Parkville, bang, done. That's all I need. You know what I mean? Or I'm doing my master's of social work, but people, sometimes people just write, yes, yes, yes. And you're like, oh, you're fake. Or yeah. they write like, okay. And it's like, ah, 
you're fake. So I just, yeah. you know, so it just takes anything really. But people are like, I'm in my first year of master of social work. I'm in my first year of master of social work. I'm going to Deakin social work. Like I said, it's the start of the year. It's just funny. Yeah. So like you can tell they would have all been at class for like a, like a month or two. They started talking and someone said, oh, there's this group running. That's and then cool. so then you can see like there's, you that's just get like so a hit cool. of some people, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm predicting sort of happening anyway. That's really so, cool that yeah, that's actually happening. So yeah, you yeah. can see the yeah. waves and that sort of thing. Because this could be so. so like be a part of uh, curriculum to an extent. Well, not, you know, or, or a resource for curriculum. Yeah. Um, so, you that's know, right. check this podcast out that's because it. you have – the guests that you have are they're not you know, bad, are like, they? No, they're really good. <laughs> they're, yeah, well, <laughs> this particular one is phenomenal. Right. Um, no, this one, but, an episode yeah, four? Yeah. 14. <laughs> yeah. No, I checked beforehand because, so yeah, if you are listening <laughs> no, to this, I was going to try and jump in and say this before, but uh, Shane shared more of a, I would say, like. <laughs> Sorry, I just had the biggest urge to whack that at you. Which is a microphone she's talking about. So yeah. why would you do yeah. that? Just because you said, I just want to jump in and say, so I wanted to mm. knock this up. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Awesome. Oh, I just want to pick on you. Sorry. It's great. Uh, episode 14, Shane, you shared a bit more of so like your personal story and things like mm. that. So I'm glad we haven't ended up. We delved a little deep sure. you know, before, which was cool. Yeah. But if anyone wants to hear a little bit more about Shane and I think, you know, like, a bit more of, like I said, your personal story, mm. uh, episode fourteen, and also, um, not that I would like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like you should rehash this now. But if people check out your website, you recently, well, it was a little while ago now. That whole like, like a few weeks ago, but it was probably Refresh. a few months ago. Yep. You re you refreshed it, but you also added your story mm. in uh, in your about me section, which I would just ask people to go and read that. And, and you know, I've said to you on a personal level, thanks for the bravery you showed to write that and share that with everybody. But Thank yeah, you. if people want to hear it, um, I think probably in a, in a way that you have felt, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would imagine that the thought you put into that was, you know, like, um, how do I say? Like you were, it was, it was a, a, the, the most thought out way that you could write your story down as in that you were happy to publish it online. Mm. So yeah, please check that out and, and read it because yeah, it was, yeah, huge, um, I would imagine, a huge step for you to take to p- just put that out there. I mean, it's one thing to talk about it, but then to write it and know that it sort of sits there in that internet space, cyberspace. Is, yeah. Yeah. Thank so, you. Yeah. Thank you. I, it's a, it was a big thing and I think that it's just, I think it just came down to uh, we ask people to be vulnerable all the time. Mm. So how, you know, it, that's was just a, yeah, something to say I'm happy to be as well as opposed to look at me, look at me. But, um, yeah, just to be able to say, all right, I'm going to do it too. Yeah. Um, and it's okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, uh, to do it. And I appreciate that, bro. I, I really do because it, um, it, it was a difficult thing to write. Mm. Yeah. It was um, respectfully a difficult thing to read. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think, you know, there's people's narratives that you can read, whether it's an autobiography, biography, a movie, things like that. But when you when you're friends with the person mm. and to have to have that insight, which was super personal for you to share, mm. um, it was a really hard thing to read, but <coughs> it was um like I I loved reading it mm. because I see you now 
and talk to you and hear and hear um, the things that you're doing now with your life and your family and things like that. So it's really nice to be able to read that, but see see you now and and where you're at. So it's really cool. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate that. Um, oh, that means a lot. And I do remember you reaching out afterwards and I appreciated that too. It meant a lot. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was big. Yeah. No, yeah, it was definitely out. big. We um, might wrap it up soon. Yeah. Well, I feel like I've just had, uh, I'm staring at you. Yeah. Because I'm, I know that. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Don't say well, I've just had this moment. Yeah. Because normally it's our, I was about to say, yes. we have a little, su- you know, last question, a little surprise, but you've already answered it. Oh, okay. Well, before. thanks for coming. No. Because, change see you it. Later. Change the question. No. Oh, go. Don't one, do two, that. three. Change it. Go, go, go. Change it. Okay. I got one. Go. What was the worst icebreaker you've ever had to participate in oh, God. as a member of training? Oh, sorry, a participant of training, not a member. Oh, jeez. Worst icebreaker. Worst Didn't think I'd come out with that, did you? No, I think, really always, I think they're always them. bad. Uh, no, you shouldn't say that. Maybe that. No, I don't. I don't think I like. You don't have to say who them. it was. No, but they'll, they'll know because I'm a trainer and I've trained alongside. But they'll know. Um, oh, okay. Is it Josh? Yeah, it's Josh. Yeah, no, Josh, you suck. Um, <laughs> I think anything that's um, a bit. Um, Okay, I'll yeah, make there Josh was, share I think there was one worry. that Stop there thinking. was. Do you want to do it? Start thinking. Should yeah. we do it too? Yeah. Oh, God, I don't know. We're all in this together. Oh, yeah, go on. Yeah. Oh, no. I don't know. Anyway, go, go. I Sorry. think there was like a fruit thing. Like they, you, you call out the fruit and you've got to go this way if you're orange and if you're this way, you're. I can't remember what it was, but it was just so shit that I kind of wanted to block it out of my mind. Yeah. But you, banana, do this. But, you know, um, orange, do this. So when I yell out orange, do this. Oh, when I gotcha. yell out banana, do this. And when I like a and it was just sort of like, thing. yeah, it was just a bit um, uh, wanky. wanky. Like I don't think people felt like I think the whole idea of an icebreaker is to reset your mind, not to go, oh fuck, I don't want to do this, mm. yeah. and then I have to do it, and then. Um, I don't know if that ex- that expresses vulnerability. Yeah. Does that sort of make sense? Like vulnerability should be something that people will feel empowered by, if that makes sense, mm. instead of disempowered by. So I think that's why I'm not the biggest fan sometimes. But ice people that love icebreakers, like I used to, used to work in a team of trainers that loved icebreakers and they were just like, you're so wrong and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, talk to people that hate them, man. Like, you know, there's a a, majority of people that don't. I reckon it's a huge amount. Like, I think there's more that don't like it than than do. Um, But, yeah, I I did deliver one that I I never thought would work that did work, though, that was awesome. As I taught people how to box in five minutes. Nice. So stance, throwing punches, this or that. And it was kind of cool because yeah. the whole idea of it was you've got to think about a million, so many things just mm. to throw two punches. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's lots of like body and mind coordination, like just to do two two things. But it was just I think people found it kind of fun because they were like people that would never throw punches. Mm. 
I, mm. I think that well they came back and said that they really enjoyed it like mm. and that was kind of cool and I never thought that that would work but it was just like yeah a little vulnerable but not yeah. feel like a dickhead yeah if that makes sense yeah, yeah that yeah, kind nice. of thing so nice what were you what were yours yeah. Joshua I don't know well while you're thinking I'll yeah. add a comment to what you were saying Shane I um I understand why people <coughs> enjoyed the boxing um, icebreaker. Yeah. Because I've, uh, as you were talking, I was like, yeah, sure, I've done that too. I did a training in somatic practice. And so obviously some of the biggest parts of the topic were sensory, tactile, and the icebreaker activity they got us to do was all holding different size balls and you had to throw them at each other around the room. So it was the first okay. activity we did. So we had like basketballs, golf balls, table tennis balls, like big mm. ones you just have to throw them around. Mm. And then at the end, people said, they asked us to speak about how we felt in that moment. And I was like fucking anxious as shit. Mm. I don't know anybody in this room. I am not hand-eye coordinated. I have no interest throwing balls at any of you or engaging with any of you right now. To be honest, I haven't had a coffee. Mm. Um, and everyone in the room was like, and yeah. that that camaraderie, if I said that right, that camaraderie, yeah, yeah it was like a, a united fuck icebreakers, and I, but it was good because even though majority of us were like anxious and feeling mm. really shit about the activity, mm. you're also getting balls thrown at you, so you only had a minute to really like fucking <laughs> catch them or throw them. Look, you two have lost it. Look, me, oh, me and Josh have been really immature when the whole way through, like just. Yeah, it look, it's 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 ma- it's males and balls. That's what it is. Just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, there's, there's, I didn't even realize still you guys were laughing until the end. I was. You were looking you were directly close. at me, and I was close. laughing. And I was like, I hope you don't think that I think it's what you're saying is a shit idea. Like a so shit at first, thing. I did. No, yeah. I'm joking. Yeah. I, was, um, I was just like, you're saying balls so many times. You stop saying balls. I should have known better. Working with young people, I should have. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. That's that's cool. Boy psychology again. Yeah. That yeah. is, that is, like, there's yeah, still, there's work to do. There's work to do. She said balls. Uh. Start doing some fake farts or something. Let's <laughs> yeah. see how many giggles we can get. Mm, hey, farts are funny. Like, <laughs> farts are funny. Maybe that could yeah. be your next yeah. icebreaker. Yeah, that's Everyone it. Needs farts fart. are funny. Like, um, yeah, got you. That's that's cool though. To and be I able think to because like we, over, yeah, you know, over, over mutual discomfort. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Discomfort. Yeah. Awesome. Did that give you enough thinking term? Or have you still got balls on your mind? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I honestly can't think of. Um, I can't think of the worst icebreaker. Um, but the summer camp I worked at in America, we had. It's so like if you imagine an American camp movie, like summer camp, you know, with songs and dances and all the stuff. It was as good as that. Yeah. Like the the picture that it paints in movies and stuff. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. So this our camp song sounds always funny. When you think of camp too, like camp, like gay camp. So it was, that makes you laugh. Like as in when you try and giving examples, like my camp friends and stuff. Like mm. mum, oh, my mum used you. to. Yeah. She goes, "Oh, it's always so funny you say." Yeah. People I went to camp with. Our camp song was "Reach for the Stars" by S Club Seven. Wow. And one of the first things, what a vibe. Um, S one Club of the. Seven? Oh jeez. Yeah. Uh, but one of the first things that they do to get you, and so we're talking like 150 staff, like 150 people from all over the world that have come to work at this camp. One of the first things they get you to do is, is an induction into camp and camp life and like, you know, 
Let's do it for the summer, America, <laughs> summer camp. Is that they get you all in the hall and teach you the dance to S Club 7. Um, oh what did I just say it was? Um, Reach, Reach for the, the stars. stars. And so the whole song has a, a choreography like thing. It repeats itself. I need to but, see you do this. No, no, I can't remember it anymore. But, don't you fucking lie to me. Do you but, remember um, some of the moves? No, no, there's a, yeah, I probably do. Yeah. But uh, there's that and rolling, rolling, you know, uh, roll, um, I can turn Turner. Yeah. But anyway, oh, yeah. so reach, but that's what they do. So they'll they'll teach you reach for the stars, and you're like, I don't know any of these people. I was like 19, so like 19 male, like what the fuck am I doing <coughs> in S-Cop America? S Club Seven, <laughs> learning this thing, and then, but this is all the people that have been there for the first year. It's your first year, <coughs> but all the people that are there for their second year, third year, fourth year are just like, this is the best ever. And they're doing all the dance moves and they don't give a fuck. And by the end of the summer, that's you too. Like they just create this environment for you and for everybody that you just do the thing. So, so it was sort of like the best, but the worst icebreaker. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And because then that was me the second year. I'm like, come on, do it. This is the moves. Let's go. Oh, you were like, that annoying person. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But that's what camp does to you. Jazz hands, yeah. all that. To wrap up the story, though, um, I met my wife on Oasis. Like, so we was before Tinder and stuff. So we met online mm. and we went on a date and it was really cool. And then we were going out with some friends, uh, like all the people I went to camp with and stuff because they're he's people from Melbourne. Um, we were all going for a night out in the city. And I said to her, like, if you want to come along, like, this is where we're going to be, whatever. So she did and she brought a friend and we're having like drinks and stuff. And then they requested for Reach for the Stars to get put on. And I did the whole dance with her there on like the second day. That's exactly why she married you. And I reckon that's why she married me. That's exactly why she married you. That is so awesome. I went for it. Reach. You are doing this dance right now. I reckon if I could think about it, I reckon I could do it. That is so good. But it it was cool because it just, there was that whole vulnerability thing. Before I even really understood all of that, you know, from from work and stuff, just being able to be like, I don't care, dance like no one's watching sort of stuff. But it was so hard as a 19-year-old. It would have been hard anyway if you hadn't gone through that experience with all these people you didn't know. But it was, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Mm. Totally, totally, totally. Don't know if you could pull off doing a whole body dance routine as an icebreaker for a training, but it worked for camp. Totally. You, I think you we made should me, start doing it. You made me think of another icebreaker that was bad right when you said that because it was on a camp. Go. Um, it was, oh, it's probably bad because it's a known camp of, but residential care, like in New South Wales and Victoria. Oh, I shouldn't have said, I'm kind of totally going to give it away. I don't want to give it away, but let me give you the specific but coordinates. You, but hugging, <laughs> hugging was a big thing. Oh, that's oh, very, no, like, so everyone goes touch. around and hugs each other. No, there's too many. And no. I was a youth worker at that time. Mm. Yeah. And I had issues with personal space. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I felt like, like, as in, I was fine that's, yeah. if I know you. But if yeah. I don't know you, I'm well, think about not, I don't like, yeah, I didn't like people coming close to my face, anything. I still get a bit funny with it if yeah. I don't know people, you know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was like, and you had to do it. No, oh, like, this yeah, is terrible. It was not a, you had to go around and hug everybody. No. And uh, I remember, yeah, it was a young person saying, I'm not comfortable with it. And they were like, well, to be a part of the camp, you have to do it. And 
He's like, I'm not doing it. And yeah, as a youth work, you know, I just went into bat for him hard. Good. I was like, this is completely inappropriate. Yeah. Like, and to making making this young person do this. And so and then I said to, like yeah. you should know that that is gonna trigger people. Yeah. You know? And I yeah. and so the young person didn't just feel defended. I was like, and I also feel uncomfortable nice, doing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. so you're good, bro. Like I'm the same as you and yeah. I don't feel comfortable. You hug it out? Yeah, yeah, should we hug? Hmm. No, but um, yeah, it was like you, you hmm. had to. Um, and don't get me wrong, there were some good elements to the camp, but there was, that was one of the things. And you, yeah, it's like you just had to hug. You had to, and everybody, Jeez. everyone. But you hugged every single person that was a part of it. So no, it, wasn't it sounds just like a, a bit, bit culty to me. Yeah, That's weird, it was just man. a bit. Yeah, I wasn't down with that That's at strange. all. Like it was, yeah, real, real, just real weird, real weird, like. Yeah, Looks so like uh, a... tell us your name and three interesting things about you might be the way to go after yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> sure. How do you feel this you morning? You stole my icebreaker. Yeah. Jeez, fuck. It's original one. No, what, what's your name and how do you feel this morning? Yeah. <laughs> no, the worst one for me honestly has to be we had to draw our name tags. <coughs> I'm a pretty creative person. Mm. So I, I wasn't too happy with doing it to be honest because even though i am creative quite a perfectionist and i didn't like they didn't tell you at first about your ice break activity properly so they just got you to draw on a sticker and you had to draw some things that made you happy or right so you didn't have to do something that had like nat on it you had to you just had to get a sticker and drew pictures on it of things that made you happy or whatever Mm. but then somebody else got that as their name tag Oh. So then you had to like gift it to somebody in the room. Oh. They were like lock yeah. eyes with somebody and exchange stickers. Lock eyes. And then hug. <laughs> Is that how you did it? Like, oh, sorry. I remember That's... just being like, mm, someone please just come find me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to approach anybody. I remember being really yeah. young at the time. I'd be like, I don't. Why? That's weird. Yeah, full on. And that was the worst. And you had to explain your sticker to the other person. And then that person had to explain your sticker to the group. Yeah, oh, yeah right. Full on. Full on. Wanky. Full on. Well, if you're still here, thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you made it past <laughs> the icebreaker. Ice yeah, well done. <laughs> Shoot us a message. It's impressive. Hey, bro, thanks heaps for coming back again. and For sharing. Yeah, it was really cool. And, yeah, for sharing your stories. And yeah. share not only to us, but, like, you know, like you were saying before, that you could, like, anyone chooses to do this and you also chose, you know. So, mm. yeah. You could have easily steered away from this sort of stuff given your own lived experiences, but you decided to put yourself out there and, and, and share them with people for the, the benefit. So appreciate that, bro. Thank you. And as, uh, you know, I think a few people have said it, I just also, yeah, just want to thank you guys for the opportunity, but also for doing this podcast because it's a absolute game changer for our work. Yeah. And the fact that you both do this selflessly um, well, we make heaps of money for doing this, yeah, actually, Shane. Yeah, so. yeah. You're like, yeah. we're making straight bank. Um, it's, Haven't you noticed our new podcast studio? <laughs> yeah, like a massive one. Oh, I was hey. going to make a joke about the fancy shoes I was wearing, <coughs> but I realised I was barefoot, so yeah. I was like, fuck. You, you do have um, mic stands though now, yes. which is we pretty, did yeah, which pretty were, good. Um, I wanted to kind of do this. Yeah. So yeah. Really nice. You can do Which That's I liked cool. it. You know, the, we do have new mic stands, which we... Purchased we with do. some money that were um do, was donated to us. So. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. very cool, mm-hmm. and very well deserved for um any any donation. 
towards the podcast is extremely uh, well-deserved because of the amount of effort that you go in into to pull this together, but you're doing it for others. And um, it's incredible. Um, so, yeah, I just want to, yeah, show my gratitude. Um, Thanks for not Thank only you. just being a guest, but for everything that you do. All right, it's Thank enough you. now. All right. <laughs> it's enough now. Yeah, too much You're getting positivity. Uncomfortable. <laughs> All right, negative Nelly. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Knowledge on Tick. Please like and share the podcast, invite your friends and colleagues into the group and get in touch if there are any guest speakers you'd like to hear from or any topics you'd like covered. Take care and enjoy your week. Thank you.